0: End. Welcome to Mass Ab, conservative insight from the Heritage Foundation's Freedom Center. Just steps from Capitol Hill with Emily Vanderbush and Brad Bishop.
1: All right, and we are live here today. We're, um, it's been a busy week on Capitol Hill. We had Congress moving on from Obamacare and looking to issues like tax reform. Um, Brad, what, what do you think?
0: I mean, it wasn't just on Capitol Hill. We've uh, had a busy day or a busy week in Washington with baseball season as well. The Nats right. kicked off. Cherry blossoms are blooming. But uh, more importantly, yes, tax reform uh, looks like it is upon us.
1: Yeah. Speaking of springtime, springtime and tax season. Uh, we have Adam Michelle here to give us a scoop on tax reform. Yeah. Um, Brad and I honestly couldn't tell you too much about it, but that's why we have an expert. So Adam, uh, what would you say is the greatest problem with the current tax system?
2: Well, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, the uh, Our tax system, as almost all Americans agree, as we're going into the season where you have to file your taxes, the, uh, the tax code is incredibly broken and overly complex. But the probably biggest issue is on our business tax code and the the, the burden that our, our businesses are under uh, from federal taxes. We have probably the worst business tax system in, in the world amongst all of our competitors.
1: Okay. And so looking to tax reform, if Congress were to lower these business taxes, um, how would that impact the average American?
2: That's a great question. So most people, when they think of business taxes, it's, oh, it's this sort of corporations are right. off in the distance. And that doesn't really affect me, but it, it, it really does. Uh, when business ta- when businesses can invest and, uh, and grow, they Create jobs. They uh, that that economic growth feeds across the economy to you and I, to sort of every the average American through higher wages, mm-hmm. through more op- more consumer options. Uh, it, it really the uh, the bus- businesses are, are the lifeblood of our, our economy, and reforming reforming their taxes really feeds across uh, and helps everyone, um, all all, Amer- <clears throat> all Americans.
0: Right, and I, I think what you're saying here. Uh, I mean. I think we see day to day, the left kind of attacking these corporate tax rates, as you brought up, um, as taxes on the rich and saying that they should pay their fair share, we pay our fair share. Um, how do you respond to that kind of criticism?
2: Yeah, so the the, the criticism you get from the left of when you cut uh, business tax business taxes, or you cut uh, certain capital gains taxes, which is uh, uh, that they come back with these are just tax cuts for the rich. But Really, the left is stuck in this sort of fixed pie economic thinking where it, it, it's not about dividing up the current pie that's in front – that current economic pie that's in front of us. But true tax reform grows the size of the pie and uh, increases everyone's uh, sort of econo- <clears throat> economic slice. And that's, that's really what we're talking about here is making uh, – is, is growing the economy, increasing that, that investment in jobs and, and wages. And that, that's what uh, individual people really feel and need.
1: So I've heard um, some people make the argument that tax reform that is done in Congress needs to be revenue neutral. Can you explain what that means and whether or not you agree or disagree with that?
2: Yeah. So revenue neutral tax reform just means when you're playing with the different tax rates or uh, deciding to implement a new tax or take one away that at the end of the day, we're not bringing in any more less revenue than we're currently bringing in. And yeah, uh, this is an incredibly problematic paradigm to be stuck in just because it makes politicians uh, make a sort of false choice between true tax reform and tax reform that is that has other strings attached to bring in revenue that might be lost from other in in other reforms. So Washington really has a spending problem, not a revenue problem. And, when, and whenever we're talking about how much revenue we need to bring in, we need to encourage uh, Congress to look at the other side of the ledger. How much? What are they spending this money on? Do we need? Are there duplicative programs that, that we can eliminate? Is are there things we're spending money on we shouldn't? And this is this sort of holistic uh, look at tax reform uh, can be can be deficit neutral rather than mm-hmm. revenue neutral. Uh, so we're not adding to the debt or or the deficit, but. Uh, but revenue neutrality really sort of sticks politicians in a, in a box. And speaking of, uh,
0: of revenue and, and different ways to generate revenue, uh, some congressional Republicans have floated this idea lately of a border tax adjustment. Um, does that idea make any sense to
2: you? So the the border tax adjustment is an incredibly controversial issue, uh, both among economists, both economists across the ideological spectrum, and within conser- between enc- uh, conservative economists. And it's also a very hot political issue. There's a divide within the business community. There's a divide on Capitol Hill, and the, the what, what we don't want to happen in tax reform is to get stuck in the same. Uh, loop that healthcare care reform got stuck in. We, we want to move forward on the things that we agree on and uh, and leave the things we disagree on for for another debate. So uh, I would encourage Congress to sort of to take that approach to focus on the things we agree on. The corporate tax rate is too high. Uh, we need to move to a territorial system and move to expensing. These are all specific provisions of the business tax code and simplifying taxes overall. Uh, so that's where the focus should really be.
0: And I'd say, I mean, recently, especially you look at, like you said, Obamacare uh, repeal. You look at the Gorsuch fight going on right now in the mm-hmm. Senate. Do you think it's feasible or it's possible that tax reform is going to happen this year? Is that an achievable goal?
2: I certainly hope so. I think the, if, if, as I was just saying, we focused on the things we agree on, uh, the, the, the main principles of good tax reform are, are most people agree on them. So, I, I really, I, I hope th- that Congress can set aside those those differences, and and tax reform can get done. But. There's always politicking going on, going, going on and I'm not a, a political consultant, so I couldn't tell you the specifics there. <laughs>
0: it's not too hard to message keeping it's, your own money, though. <laughs> At least we hope not. You're right.
2: The majority of Americans are, are, are excited about tax reform and, and uh, see the benefits that we can get from simplifying the tax code, uh, updating it to the 21st century, and that's a, I think there's a good chance we'll get there.
1: So, kind of tying this back into the American people really supporting these principles of tax reform, um, why is it so important to job growth and increase prosperity?
2: So, tax reform allows people to uh, spend their money where it is most valuable. And just that fundamental fact is creates economic growth and, and well-being across the economy. The lower lower taxes and simpler taxes allow businesses to, to invest in, in new technologies, in new factories, in new farm equipment. All of these things increase uh, the potential for, for new jobs. They increase wages. They just put more Americans back, back to work. And that's, that's why uh, the average person should be really excited about tax reform. All right, Adam. Well, we
0: know you're an expert, but it's uh, it's only your second week here at Heritage. Uh, we certainly appreciate you uh, jumping to this occasion and joining us on Mass Ave. Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. You're listening to Mass Ave. We'll be right back.
0: Hi, this is Rob Louie, Vice President of Publishing and Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal. Check out Blueprint for Balance, a federal budget. This Heritage Foundation budget plan balances the budget within seven years and cuts spending by more than $10 trillion. To find it, go to heritage.org and search for budget or spending.
1: And we are back with Jarrett Stepman. We're talking about draining the swamp.
0: All right, Jarrett. So uh, heritage is a buzz this week as Donald Trump is about to complete one of his campaign promises, uh, getting a constitutional Supreme Court justice confirmed in Neil Gorsuch. Um, a- another campaign issue that really came up throughout the year was draining the swamp. And it seems that your paper, Democracy Dies and the Administrative State, really gets to the bottom of that issue. Could you explain a little bit more?
3: Yeah, this is a big issue. I think it's something that, you know, when we talk about draining the swamp, people want specifics. How are we going to uh, change Washington, D.C.? How are we going to change the entrenched interests that run our government? And I think one of the big ones... That needs to be done is something uh, called civil service reform. I think a lot of Americans don't quite realize that most federal employees can't lose their jobs; they can't be fired. I mean, there are nearly three million federal employees today. Ninety percent of those can't lose their job. They literally own property in their job. It's it's really an incredible statistic, and it's something that a lot of Americans don't quite realize.
1: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the 90 percent of the three million federal employees. Do you have any examples of, you know, actions that have happened that normally they might have been fired for?
3: Right. I think it became very apparent. I mean, there was a story uh, that came out a few years ago about the Phoenix VA and corruption going on there. A lot of veterans not getting the care they need, people being laying down in the job, people being engaged in literally criminal activities. Yet nobody was fired. I mean, I I think that's that's incredible to most people. And the reason is, is because the process of firing somebody from the civil service is so onerous that nobody's willing to go through with it, which you can see why there's this bad incentive in the civil service for our government employees to not do a good job, to not be responsive to the American people.
0: Right. Uh, And you you. Kind of released a paper before this article for the Daily Signal. Uh, you you and your wife actually co-authored a paper for the American Legislative Exchange Council, um, uh, kind of taking a deeper dive into this issue. And in that paper, I noticed that you said the Pendleton, or the Pendleton Civil Service Reform Act um, was really kind of the the start of this problem. But I mean, it was right. it was originally supposed to be kind of a, a cause for common good. How did that end up spiraling into what it's, the problem it's become today?
3: Right. I mean, this is the, the case of good intentions uh, ending up in a bad place. Originally, it was the Pendleton Act was to stop what was called the spoil system, which was the raw political hiring and firing of employees. And at the time, it was just a few, few employees that had their jobs protected and created some merit exams. Uh, but this has really changed over the last century. Now what you see is a vastly expanded federal government where most employees have their jobs protected, where those levels of protection, have increased dramatically in that time, and I think what what my paper is calling for is a review of those rules, looking at places where there have been reforms, have been changes, moving toward more at will employment for federal employees. Which, frankly, if you work in the if you don't work in the public sector and you're just uh, working at a for profit or whatever it is, uh, it's something that you're going to know know about. Um, so I, I think that's what the the real issue at stake is moving federal workers to more of an at-will employment so that they can be fired and so that we can get rid of the bad apples that are apparent in many, many agencies.
1: Uh, and you mentioned that there might have been examples where other reforms have been implemented. What what are some of those?
3: Right. I think a big one that we highlight in our paper is in Georgia. Actually, there's a good Daily Signal piece about this, uh, reforms of the 1990s, where they did move their employees to an at-will system. In fact, any employee hired after 1996 was moved to at-will employment, and People there say not only has there not been politicized hiring and firing, but it's dramatically improved their system there for for government workers. It's it's definitely increased, um, you know, the efficiency of the programs, and it allows the governor to hire and fire employees as he sees fit. And there have been a number of other states too. Wisconsin recently had reform. Florida, and I think it really is uh, uh, important now that we use the state models. Uh, on the federal government because this is a much obviously much bigger issue that all Americans should care about.
0: And I think with this new administration uh, especially over the last couple of months we've seen kind of this burrowing issue which you bring up with and and, you know these burrowed federal lifetime bureaucrats are really kind of starting to stir things up in the administration. Um, How do you see a way to fix that problem?
3: Right. I mean, that was the original promise of civil service reform is that we wouldn't have a politicized federal government, that this the fourth branch essentially would be free from that. But that's that hasn't been the case. Political appointees have burrowed into permanent civil service jobs. They can be there for the rest of their lives and never get fired. They carry on the previous administration's policies while potentially thwarting the new ones. You can see how that's a problem when you have a change in political party, you have now Trump coming into into office, and he has essentially employees he can't get rid of, he can't fire, who can fight his agenda and try to stop him every step of the way. You can see why the system is pernicious and causes a lot of problem for government reform.
1: All right. So Politico recently reported that the civil servants who were exposed worry that the White House may feel pressure to act from voters in the Republican base. Um, How do you think that this kind of reform would solve for that?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, as somebody who's involved with reporting, you know, we do want to know what people in government are doing. These are the people that are supposed to be serving us. And when Frankly, bureaucrats are doing things that are wrong or bad or politicized. The American people have a right to know that and to hold them accountable. Hmm. E- elected officials, well, we vote them out of office when they do a bad job. A civil servant who has these protections, well, they can't lose their job. No matter how bad they are, no matter how politicized they are, uh, they're basically, they have, uh, they have a job for life. And I think it's really important that, first of all, we bring attention to the problems and make a system where we can actually get rid of people who are doing such a bad job for the American people.
0: Right. You'd certainly have to think if the shoe were on the other foot and this were four <laughs> years ago and Barack yeah. Obama were starting out his presidency, how do we think Politico and, or even the mainstream media would be addressing this?
3: Right. And just look at the look at the IRS scandal. I mean, that was a, a an agency that was targeting Americans. I think Politico mentioned well, federal employees feel panicked by these media reports. Well, can you imagine the panic <laughs> for taxpayers who think that they're being targeted by an agency that has so much power over their lives Without any amount of recourse, could you imagine how panicked these American people are? I mean, I just lo- I love that quote. You know, when when the government fears the people, there is liberty. When the, the people fear the government, there is tyranny. And I think this is this is a prime example of that right here. All right, Jared. Well, thank you for joining us
0: on Mass Ave. Um, for all the listeners, uh, go check out Jared's paper, Civil Service Reform for the 21st Century: Restoring Democratic Accountability to the Administrative State. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me on.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening in. And remember to check us out on Facebook at Mass Ave Podcast. And remember to follow the Heritage Foundation to keep up with the latest concerted insight from the steps of Capitol Hill.